What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple H podcast. Happy hour, hoops. We're back in the dog days of summer. That the NBA doesn't sleep in the summer, Steve. Now does it? We've had the draft. We've had some summer leagues underway. I feel like the draft and summer league kind of compete with the MLB uh, in, in the summer, at least this part of the summer. The NBA is always it's always in the news. It's always in the media. We've had a pretty interesting uh, free agency period so far. We've had a lot of draft buzz or post draft buzz, I should say. And I'll be honest with you, Donnie. I was saying this before the show. I think this is the most tuned into the summer league, and I say tuned in in air quotations that the casual fans have ever been because there's a lot of a lot of guys that people want to have their opinions on. And uh, if you have one, you have one summer league game, you can victory lap. They're taking their opportunity to do so. Oh yeah, and yeah. Let let let's start right there because I did want to start with. I mean, we haven't truthfully. What this is our would have been our third or fourth week off from happy hour hoops. So we we did a little group hiatus here. We're back. It's a great time to come back right in the midst of the summer league. Um, and yeah, Steve, yeah, you you nailed it. The talk of the town has been Wemby. He's yeah. in the summer league. We've seen him play two games, uh, much like guys like Brandon Miller. Scoot Henderson, unfortunately, got hurt. But we've been seeing these prospects play. Yeah. And, yeah, what, what, what do you what do you got, Steve? What do you got on summer league rookies, Wemby? I know we just we were talking about Wemby right before we got on. You're pretty fired up. So if you want to start if you want to start with that, let's just let's jump into it. I think the biggest thing is to just it's a it's a tiny sample size. Like let's not overreact to one or two games, good or bad, for any of these draft prospects. There's a long way to go. And Wemby said himself after the first game, he's like, I wasn't ready for that. Like he's like, I didn't play well. I wasn't ready for that. And he he had a poor shooting game the first game. People don't want to talk about the five blocks he had in his first game, but it's funny. Too, right? Very poor first game shooting wise, a lot of turnovers, kind of sloppy ball handling. I don't know why he was playing ISO ball as a seven foot five center playing ISO ball in double teams. But hey, you know, you want to see what you got out of the kid. And then the second game, I think 27 points, 12 rebounds north of 60% shooting from three and from the field. A lot better. And it's just it's just funny, Donny, the reactions you get. I was saying before, you got Joe Schmo in their parents' basement probably tapping away at Twitter or making their TikTok saying, oh, I told you Wemby was going to be a bust. I told you he was going to be a bust. Victory lapping game one and then game two's crickets. And yeah. I'm here to say, don't – like. Just take take this with a grain of salt. Like, let's not overreact to either game here. Uh, Gwemby went one. The reason he went one, I can tell people this right now, is not because of one game. It's not because of one game why he went one. It's a, it's a bigger deal than that. It's about four years of playing professional basketball. It's about having those physical skills that you just cannot teach. And being seven foot five and being able to shoot helps a little bit too. But the thing is, people are going to overreact. They're not just doing it to Wemby. They're doing it to everyone. And I think it's partly Wemby is the reason why people are more tuned into the Summer League than they ever really have been yeah, before. And that's for why sure. they're overreacting to every prospect. But the thing is, like, give it time. Like, give it time. It's it's cool to watch these Summer League games, kind of pick what you like and what you don't like. But don't judge a guy or predict what his career is going to turn out to be from two games. And I think it was smart in the Spurs to play him a couple games, you know, get him in that field, see what it's like playing in, you know, typical NBA competition. Now I know it's not going to be what he's going to see 
in the regular season, but there's still a lot of guys who play regular minutes in the NBA who are playing in the summer league and a lot of mm. young prospects as well, such as Wemby that are playing. But I think it was smart by the Spurs after game two to shut it down. And I honestly think, Dunny, if Wemby had a good game one, they probably would have shut him down after the first game. It was more of, okay, he had a terrible game. Get the jitters out. It's your first game. Let's see what happens. Game two, it's like just he's back to normal playing basketball. I think 27-12. I think he had four or five blocks in each game, which that's one thing I do want to talk about. We'll talk about that later. His defensive game is going to be unbelievable. But – I think it was smart for the Spurs to shut him down. But I do like that these teams are playing some of their top guys just to see a little bit what they got. You know what you have when you drafted them, but kind of just get them playing basketball again, right? Be like, all right, let's see how comfortable this guy is. Let's see what we got to tweak before the season. Um, But it's funny because of Wemby, people care about the summer league where normally we wouldn't hear anything about the summer league until the start of the season, really. We heard it a little bit last year with Chet before Chet got hurt and now right. with Wemby. Yeah, and I think I think I do think the summer league's becoming more of a spectacle mm-hmm. where it's like this tournament, it's kind of cool. Everyone has a chance to see at least the guy they drafted, whether you know mm-hmm. it might be for one game or two games like the Wemby case. Uh, I definitely do think it's getting more popular, but you're right. This year it seems there's a lot more eyes, a lot more buzz. And the, the funny thing on Wemby to stay on him for a minute because, you know, I completely agree. He was he was probably getting judged regardless oh. in that first game, no matter how it went. But two reasons why I think every NBA fan, especially Spurs fans, shouldn't have been worried about his first game. One, he owned up to it right afterwards. Mm-hmm. You you don't get this, you know, arrogant, egotistical answer from Wembenyana being like, oh, making up excuses. No, he said he was out of shape. He said he was kind of shocked by the pace of the game and, you know, the athleticism of the other guys and so on. And then, too, you already mentioned it, but the Spurs shut him down after game two. Yeah, They they, they wouldn't be shutting him down if they had concerns yeah. about Victor Wambignana. You know, it's it's ridiculous, like you said, but we have it. It, it happens with every player, every team, every stage of the game. I mean, we're sure. getting it as early as you can. It's in game one of the Summer League. But yeah, he was. I thought he was fun to watch both games. Truthfully, I, I mean, too. obviously, obviously the first game was pretty gross, but uh, there's there's definitely things to like. I think his handle and playmaking definitely caught me surprised, and that was in game one. And then you kind of saw the complete package game two. Dude, his his jump shot in game two just yeah. Seven foot five, but he releases above his head. Mm-hmm. He's not a seven foot five. Most typical big men do not release above their head. Really, the only guy, and I wouldn't even call him a big man because he's more of a stretch forward in my mind, is Kevin Durant. It goes above yeah. his head. Every other Kevin big Garnett man, used to a little bit, a too, little with bit the mid range. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, but most of the guys they're usually here right around the head area. You look at some of the big men. Wemby is shooting like he's a shooting guard. And that's crazy because we saw it in the second game of the summer league. And like I said, I'm not going to judge just one game, but just seeing that, oh, that's how he's releasing it. And when he's on, he gets so much separation because it's not a straight up and down shot either. He's leaning back a little bit and he releases so high. Dunny, there's nobody. There is nobody in the NBA who could contest that shot. Yeah, and it, it probably looked more like this because <laughs> – 
because it is a summer league game and yeah, so you know course. it's 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 smaller guys that are he's going up yeah. against and it's the competition's a little worse but it literally looks like when you create the tallest player you can create in 2k mm-hmm. and then give him all the attributes so like his yeah. handles all the way up as high as you can go his shootings a 99 like that's what Wemby looked like in the second summer league game it was like he shouldn't be moving like this. I think he had a putback dunk, or I don't know if he came down with it with the rebound and went right back up and dunked it. But like it just looked like yeah. it was video game simulated. It's like this shouldn't be this easy for anyone, you know, let alone the number one pick who, who's 19 years old uh, co- coming in the league already looking to dominate. It's funny too. You mentioned his shot because uh, Paul George and Draymond. I think Draymond Green went on Paul George's podcast, or might have been vice versa. Either or. <laughs> yeah, both the, the the podcast heads in the NBA world. Um, but they were talking about Wemby and like how you would even go about defending him. And Draymond said that he's like, "You got to get up in him because you're not blocking a shot. No, you got to. There's, there's yeah, there's no there's no chance you're blocking a shot. And you know he's already shown that." Um, and now, unfortunately, we have to wait. We won't see him the rest of the summer league, but I think people should have expected this. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing, too. I I, I always say with these guys that you know Wemby's going to be a starter from the minute he steps on the court. He's going to play big minutes. I think there's a lot of guys in the class like this. Like Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Thompson. I think you could go down maybe a little bit after that. But for the most part, the top four five guys are all going to be probably starters the night they step on the court. You know they're gonna play. Don't don't risk injury right now. You mm-hmm. you want to play them a little bit, get them in the field, be like, this is what it's like to be a professional basketball player. Fine, but yeah, and there's no it, need. You said don't risk risk injury. Yet, you know, game one here with Scoot Henderson yep. hurt his shoulder. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday, so if you're listening not on Tuesday, Scoot uh, is probable to play tonight but i think they already ruled him out or i'm sorry not probably doubtful but i think they already ruled him out and then probable for friday's game so we might be able to see some scoot henderson action before the end of summer league but amon thompson uh hurt his ankle in game one of the summer league i believe he's already been ruled out for the entire summer league tournament i believe you're right um, so yeah, we've already seen some of these other rookies get injured, like you said. So yeah, you don't want to, you, you want to have that balance where you can showcase the guys, see if they're everything that you drafted and wanted them to be, but also, you know, kind of pull a Wembenyana one bad game, let him get, you know, his confidence back, mm-hmm. let him silence the haters, silence the guys, uh, in their parents' basement for now and, and then shut them down. Um, I just, you know, we can talk about rookies draft. Someone that stood out to me so far in the summer league is Kaysen Wallace, who I didn't really know much about until mm-hmm. the summer league on the Thunder. But the one game where I think he shot like six of ten from three, people were already throwing up uh, <laughs> graphics or or memes on Twitter with like the Russ, Serge Ibaka, Kevin Durant Thunder, and be like, this you know we're seeing these guys again. It's it's cool for me because I kind of adopted the Oklahoma City Thunder a while True. True. a while ago when uh when the Celtics had their dark ages. You also love your Kentucky basketball too. You also love your Kentucky yeah. college basketball players too. <laughs> so it, so it works. Um, but yeah, man, I just this this OKC team is has a chance to be really fun. And it's cool to see that they're, you know the, these draft picks are panning out for them. Not only did they do a great job acquiring all these draft picks, but 
it, it's working out in their favor also. Uh, they're drafting incredibly well. I mean, you look at their draft last year, right? Their their prized possession got hurt. Chet Holmgren, even before even the regular season, and everyone's like, oh, OKC, like it's going to be a tough year. They make the playoffs because not only SGA played like a first team, all, all was first all team. You had Jalen Williams, who was yep. sensational. Probably would have won Rookie of the Year if Carroll didn't have one of the quietest, greatest rookie seasons of the past 20 years. You had yep. Jalen Williams, who was a great role player off the bench. And then you still have another uh, lottery pick, and it's been Dieng, who could have a role. I mean, it's crazy, Dunny, because we talked about it. It was almost a joke when the Thunder were getting all these picks. We're like, I have the first rounders for the next three, four rounds. We'll see what they do with it. And it just seems like they just keep hitting pick after pick after pick and you're right josh giddy has been great josh giddy has been great it's like the other guys have almost been so good that you're like oh yeah we also have this this guard who's phenomenal about just about everything that he does And, and that's the thing you look at this thunder team they're young they're playing well and now Kaysen willis like you said he's probably been one of the more impressive players so far in the summer league it's like did they hit the nail on the head again? And it's another guy I did like in college, so I'm not just going to take one game from it, but incredible. It, it, and you know what? It Sometimes once a team just kind of figures it out with scouting and they figure it out, and the Thunder have surprised me with, with all their picks the past couple of years. And I, you know how much I love Chet Holmgren. I can't wait to see him this year. We'll talk about him more later, but mm-hmm. – I did not see, and I like Jalen Williams at Santa Clara. I did not see him playing as well as he did this year. And now maybe Kaysen will be the next one. Yeah, we'll see. Thunder look great. They've they've caught my attention. They're the exciting team of uh, the summer league so far, or so it seems. Um, any other any other rookies you've either had your eye on, or you know we haven't really talked since I know. since the draft either. So. So there's any any of these young guys, any of these rooks. Uh, there were definitely you some picks on. that stood out to me. There's definitely a couple of picks. One of the big ones for me was Jarris Walker. Jarris Walker going to the Pacers. You've mm-hmm. adopted the Thunder. I've adopted the Pacers. I, I love what the Pacers are doing with their team. And Jarris Walker gives them the exact type of player they need to build around a young guard core of, you know, Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin. Jairus Walker is basically, I would describe him as like a Draymond Green type of player who is going to be an absolute dog defensively, a little bit better shooting than Draymond, maybe not as good playmaking, but he can do everything. He's super athletic. He's can shoot the open shot. He's going to play. He's going to be one of those guys in the NBA, Donnie, that'll probably never average more than 15 points a game in a year but he's always going to play 35 plus minutes a night. And he's probably going to average, you know, around two, like two, two and a half, three combined steals blocks per game. It's just, that's just what he's going to do. He's just going to be a very, very good defender. He's always probably going to guard your best player. He's got so much versatility because he does have size and strength, but he's also really, really fast. He's really athletic. So I love that fit in Indiana. I wouldn't, uh, you know, come on here and have to victory lap the Mavs. Uh, their offseason, I think, has been pretty good, but I got to give them props to the draft. I I really like what they did. First off, Derek Lively, you needed you needed a big man. You needed a big man. We are not going to discuss the fact that they brought Dwight Powell back. We, that doesn't need to be discussed. What we will discuss, though, is they drafted a big man with a ton of potential who was potentially, at one point, the best you know recruit in college basketball. Yeah. You have Derek Lively, who really kind of came alive at the end steal. of the season. A little bit limited offensively, but you know what? 
that's what you can teach with Big Ben. What you can't teach is what Derek Lively does, where he is just so great defensively and just knows how to get boards. And that's exactly what the Mavs need. The Mavs don't need a guy to score 20 points. They I was going to say, they're, they're not lacking offense. No, so it, exactly. It's okay that he's a little slow in that department. They need a guy to lock down the paint. And then you, you keep going with the, the defense. They got Omax as well. They got mm-hmm. Omax out of Marquette, who – Talk about a small sample size, but his summer league game, he looked locked in defensively, yep. and that's another type of guy that the Mavs need. So I really like that. Um, there were a couple other you know, sleeper picks that I thought were pretty nice. I think the Rockets getting uh, Amon Thompson at four and then Cam Whitmore still being there at 20, and you look at maybe yeah, a couple years down the road. Now the Rockets also made some crazy splashes in free agency too. But you look at a couple years down the road, potential young core, right, of Thompson, Green, um, Smith, Whitmore, and Kevin Porter Jr. I think he might be the odd man out. They also paid Fred Van Vliet $130 million for three years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not going to – not all these guys can stay, right? No, exactly. So I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I just look at the potential young core for the Rockets, and I thought they had a really good draft. Um. We were, I was I think we were joking with this in the group chat, but the the Heat getting uh, Jaime Hawkes out of UCLA is the most yeah. Heat pick ever. That's yeah. the most. They just didn't wait for him to be a free agent. They said we'll just take him in the first round. He's gonna do what all the other you know restrict unrestricted free agents the Heat get and sign. He's gonna average probably twelve points, four rebounds, couple assists, play thirty plus minutes when they need him. So I like that uh, that fit. And then the um the last one which. I didn't love either pick. I'm interested to see what direction they go. The Magic got a little, a uh, couple guards. They got Jet Howard at 11, who's a great shooter, kind of something they need a little bit, but we'll see what Jet goes. I think it was an early pick, but if he's a shooter who can come off the bench, that's kind of what the Magic need. They lack in three point shooting. And then they took Anthony Black at six, who Anthony Black. He's been impressive. There's, there's been a lot of hype around him. My worry with Anthony Black, I just don't know if he has the offensive game. But this is a guy that, you know, very good defender, could be that defensive guard they need. Just for me, for the fit of the Magic, I have nothing against the player of Anthony Black. I just look at Anthony Black, I'm like, that's Markel Fultz. That, yeah. That's how I feel. And I'm it's so the Magic, to me, interesting picks, two picks where I – I feel like they went early on both of them. I didn't love the spot, but we'll see what the Magic do because they, they took a couple guards, and before the joke of the Magic last year was, oh, look at how big their starting lineup's going to be when they had all those guys. Obviously, they got rid of Bull Bull. Mobamba got traded, and then he got released from the Lakers. So they're a lot smaller now, but they got some guards around Ben Carroll. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Magic do. But those were kind yeah. of a few teams and a few players that stood out to me. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, uh, it, it's been fun. I thought Anthony Black. The I think I only watched one of one of the mm-hmm. Magic's game in the summer league. He looked impressive. Um, something else that actually stood out to me about the summer league was the Detroit Pistons playing just everyone, even yeah. even their proven guys like Jaden yeah. Ivey's in there, Jalen Duran's in there, uh, James Wiseman's in there for the for the Detroit Pistons. Which I, I thought all that was was, was pretty cool because you know you expect to see the draft picks from this year and then you know some fringe guys um, and obviously second year players play all the time but guys like Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran who played huge minutes 
for this Pistons yeah. team this year are just in there again. And will play huge minutes this yeah. coming year too. Yeah. For sure. No, so I loved um I love seeing that as well. And that uh I you know, I would it would be foolish for me not to talk about my guy, but Jordan Walsh on the Celtics, I it was a real head scratcher when Brad just kept trading down the mm-hmm. night of the NBA draft and just, you know, he's doing his thing. He's still cooking up something because he has a boatload of second round picks now. Um, but Jordan Walsh, man, I, I, I have watched the first two summer league games of the Celtics. That's probably the, the team I've watched the most. No surprise there. No, but it, it's funny because, you know, he was the number one recruit coming out of high school in his class spent one year at Arkansas, poor shooter. He was labeled, you know, kind of maybe people thought he lacked some athleticism. Mm -hmm. Game one, he comes out and just fills up the stat sheet. 18 points. He get five rebounds, two steals, and a block. And uh, he went four or six from three, and that was like one of his biggest knocks. He was like, this guy can't shoot. He hit his first threes in the first quarter. Um it, it was it was just nice to see that you know you wait you wait for your guy or at least that's what it seemed like Brad was doing in the draft and then he shows up and my my favorite part about him is that he has you know a little on the smaller side compared to Tatum and Brown but he's kind of that same like hybrid wing build and yeah. what what two better guys to learn from than the Jays and he he's going to be you know sharing a court sharing a locker room with those guys so. Exactly. I love the pick. I've liked what I've seen so far. It feels like a Celtics pick too, right? You got a six seven guy, two hundred pounds, strong dude. He's a he's a stretch winger again, and the shooting the shooting will be interesting. I will see how consistent that'll be because he never really did much of that at Arkansas. But this is a guy too, and I, I say this all the time. There's just certain colleges that get these guys that just I feel like are more ready for the NBA level. And I feel like Arkansas lately has gotten a lot of guys that have been playing very, very well right off the bat with Jordan Walsh being one of them who is just, he's someone, if you, if you want to play on the Celtics, you got to play good on offense and defense. There's no exceptions. And he, he will, he will do that. And he's someone here too, who we see and it just takes a little bit in the NBA. They get in there, they rhythm they get into their game and sometimes they sometimes they like it more in the nba than college maybe a little more space to shoot um so we'll see with the offensive but overall i think i think walsh either way at pick what was it 38 i think when they ended up being yeah. done trading down was was a pretty good value he's definitely a solid player in college basketball watching him that arkansas team swung because they had anthony black on that team too yeah that was was a fun group i it's funny but i most fond memory or at least my uh most clear memory of watching Jordan Walsh play was when Texas just spanked Arkansas but it, <laughs> it seemed like Jordan Walsh was the only one competing mm-hmm. in that game I remember him having like a crazy putback dunk and like a uh, a big three that like cut the deficit to like 13 or something I was he gonna was say like, that was the game Texas won by like 20 something yeah they yeah. did they pulled they pulled away big time in that game but um yeah shout out Jordan Walsh welcome to the Celtics Hope it pans out. Um, you good to to move on from the youngsters and the rookies and just yeah. talk some shop here about this offseason? Yeah, talk talk about the moves some of these teams have made. Yep. Um, like like we said, we've haven't been on in a while here. So if we if we're talking about some old news, bear with us. But we'll we'll break down what it means for these teams and what what it's what they're gonna look like going forward and uh, our expectations once this uh twenty twenty three season starts. So 
just going over teams, you know, and it doesn't have to be a definitive number one. Who do you think as of right now? And it can be your Mavericks because I think they've had a great offseason so far. But who do you think has won the offseason to this point? Because obviously there's going to be more moves made. Um, but free agency is underway. We've seen some big splashes. We've seen some big trades. Is well, it, who do you think's won to this point? Is it a chalk answer to say the Phoenix Suns? Because no, the Phoenix Suns, obviously the Beal deal, that you know you get another score to go with Durant and Devin Booker. It's going to be when clicking and when healthy, it's going to be a terror to stop. I don't even care about that. I love the role players the Phoenix Suns got brought back. Me too. I think it really helps. The biggest thing we said, why we were worried about the Phoenix Suns last year and making a deep run, they have no depth. And we watched multiple games against in that Nuggets series, Dunny, where Durant would have 35-plus, where Devin Booker would have 35-plus, where they'd be taking 70% of the shots and they just couldn't stay in the game. And you look at some of these names that the Phoenix Suns either brought back or signed – and it's those type of role guys coming off the bench you want to see. You got Bates D up, right? Kata Bates D up. You have Drew Eubanks, Eric Gordon, Damian Lee. You have Josh Akogi, and then Utah Watanabe. And I, I look, I look at that list, and I go, that's a thousand times better than the bench they had going yeah. into the playoffs last year. Just, just those names in general. Obviously, what you can do, I, you know. Sometimes, you know, you stack or stagger Durant and Beal and Booker. Now you have three of those scores. You have options. But you put, you know, even just, let's say Bradley Beal, the third of the bunch with KD and Devin Booker. You want to rest both KD and Devin Booker for four minutes. You throw Bradley Beal out there with a Kogi, Watanabe, Bates, Diop. And and that's not a bad, not a bad rotation at all. So I, I look at the Phoenix Suns roster and I go, okay, so they made a splash. They made one of the biggest splashes by getting another scorer who probably won't average what he has in Washington with Phoenix, but he's a guy who's capable to score 30 points any night. Yep. And now you have better bench depth than you probably had in two, three years. And it's not household name guys, but it's guys that do everything kind of well that will complement what KD Booker and Bradley Beal can do. You look at these guys outside of really Eric Gordon, but he's near the end of his career anyway. So he's not even going to be, he's just going to be a guy who occasionally will hit three, four threes or something in a game. But outside of him, these are not guys that are, you know, their biggest strengths are what they bring offensively. Their biggest strengths are what they bring defensively or just kind of helping out as one of those, you know, secondary players. So I really do like uh, the, the roster, you know, look of the Phoenix Suns now a lot more than I did um, going into the playoffs last year. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think both things are true where it's probably the chalk answer, but I think you're right where it's not necessarily be because of the Bradley Beal trade more so what they did after that, because I think mm-hmm. once the Bradley Beal trade happened, a lot of the mature NBA fans and people who are actually tuned in are like, Whoa, this could, this could be bad low key for the Suns if you know if they don't figure yeah. out the money contracts if they don't figure out how to fill out the rest of the roster or if you know they just try to bring back some of the the guys who just didn't help them win last year but no all the guys you mentioned I think um I think just the shooting and defense and then obviously you know it had to be this but like the cheap contracts like they got all these guys on pretty you know minimal deals and for the casual NBA fan, I'm sure you probably only know one or two of the guys we just talked about. But 
you know, that's that's the guys you're adding to your roster when you have Booker, Beal, and KD all on the same team. But they're guys that can help in the long run. They're guys that defend, knock down shots. You know, then you have the veteran presence with Eric Gordon. So I, I'm with you, man. I think if if they're not number one, they're they're certainly up there. Another team that, you know, may, I don't like really giving credit to either of these teams, but the, I think the Los Angeles Lakers have done it. I was just going to say them too. Yeah, I, I think they've done a fine job. I think, you know, the biggest things were probably bringing back Rui and Austin did Reeves that, for me. Did that? Yeah, I think Rui – I think Rui was one of their more consistent playoff players last – I did too. Last playoff run, and – Maybe he didn't get enough run. You know, maybe I don't know if it was just uh, middle of the season acquisition yeah. where, you know, they're they're trying to ease him in or if they just didn't think it worked with the lineups. But I think he's a guy you see get a lot more run next year. Obviously, they signed uh, Torian Prince, just a little more length, a little more defense for this yeah. squad. It just – all their moves just – Gabe Vincent, to, too. Gabe Vincent. Gabe was, Vincent, too. It's quietly good signing. Yes, I think huge – L from the Miami Heat, yes. letting him walk, and then just massive, massive signing for the Lakers. Yeah, I don't know how I, how I forgot about him. It's just someone who, he's proven he can hit big shots in big moments. He has all the playoff experience in the world from the last two seasons with the Heat, making those deep runs, and he's just a guy, uh, just another guy you can put the ball in his hands, and he's confident. He's a good ball handler. He, he makes very few mistakes and actually for his size, he can defend a, a good bit. You know, you don't, you're not asking him to cover a team's one of one or a player, but he, he can do the job. I, I think the Lakers to this point have, have nailed free agency. I, I agree. And another guy too, that I don't even know if he's going to play much for the Lakers, but it just feels like, Oh, he'll just find, figure it out in that spot. Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is yeah. another guy who's kind of been lost since he was very highly touted draft pick, and everyone's like, oh, this guy's got tons of potential. Now he's on the Lakers. He doesn't have a lot of pressure. He's going to come off the bench, play 15 minutes a night probably. And I'll tell you what, Tony, that Lakers team's scary. You bring yeah. Rui back, you bring Reeves back, they both are probably going to have a, a full year of being impact players. And then you add those guys. Like you said, Prince, Reddish, Vincent are just – Great, great role, guys, to have the Lakers. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens with the Lakers. They, as far as I I know, they re-signed D'Angelo Russell as well. I believe. I believe they did. Yes, they did sign Russell. So you know they just they didn't really lose much. No, they brought. Did. Yeah. I, I think they brought a lot more talent in. Yeah, I mean, too too bad Jake's not here to to do his little victory lap about LeBron and the Lakers, but I think I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, too bad, right? Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about a weird team? Because I got to figure out what this team's trying to do. This, I, gotta, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking talk about. about them We're well. talking about the Houston Rockets, right? We're talking about Ime Odoka. We got to talk about what the Rockets are doing because I think personally. I think they have one of the best young cores in the NBA in about two, three years. I look mm -hmm. at a potential starting lineup of Thompson, Green, Whitmore, Jabari Smith, Sengun, and I'm like, that's great. You still have Kevin Porter Jr. Who knows what they're going to do with him? But I look at that, and I'm Tari like, that's, Eason. that's a great – Tari Eason, another one coming off the bench. Great one there. And then you go, you pay Fred Van Vliet $130 million on a three-year deal, and I have – 
disclaimer, I have nothing against Fred Van Vliet. I love Fred Van Vliet. Small college, Wichita State kind of put them on the map, right? Then you have him be an undrafted. He becomes an all-star after that. You got to root for Fred Van Vliet. Also, too, you know, Donnie, I always love to root for the smaller guys. Kind of a smaller guard in today's NBA, and it still doesn't let it stop him. He's a great player. He's fun to watch. I love everything Fred Van Vliet does. I'm fine with Fred Van Vliet getting a bag. I actually would root for Fred Van Vliet getting a bag. I don't understand the Rockets giving Fred Van Vliet a bag when you have, like I said, your your guards right now are Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and then you just drafted with the fourth pick, Amon Thompson. And then you give Fred Van Vliet a bag. Then you give Dylan Brooks a bag, which I guess maybe, you know, you want to get a little more – you have a young team, maybe try to get a locker room type of leader. I don't think Brooks is really that guy, but maybe he gives the Rockets a little more, you know, kind of chip on their shoulder, a little tough guy mentality. You get Patty Nil, Patty Mills, Jack Landale, Aaron Holiday, and then Jeff Green. And I'm looking at these moves, and if you just showed me the guys who have joined the Rockets this offseason, right? Don't you show me Brooks Green, Aaron Holiday, Jack Landale, Patty Mills, and Fred Van Vliet. I think you and I both would agree, okay, this is a team that probably got out in the uh, the, the semifinals or exactly. the Eastern Conference, yeah. Western Conference finals. They're like, let's add some vets. Let's add a couple more pieces, and yep. let's go for it next year. We're talking about a lottery team with one of the youngest cores of the NBA. Yeah. I don't I don't understand it. I'm not saying these are bad players. I'm not saying these are bad moves. I'm just saying this is a puzzle piece that doesn't fit at all. And I I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. I like these guys. I don't get what the Rockets what A, what they think they are, and B, what they think the plan is. Yeah, I don't get I don't get it. It's it seriously like if if you just took those transactions or those moves they made in the off season and you slid them over to someone across the table, you would be like, Oh, this is a a team competing this year for a championship. No doubt. Probably in the top four in the Vegas betting odds to win the championship next year. And I don't think any of these guys are bad players necessarily, but I do think that Dylan Brooks was a, a really bad contract to give a guy like that. I, I didn't want yeah, I didn't agree with that. And I love it as far as is, you know, if anyone's gonna go out on a limb and, and grab a guy like Dylan Brooks, it was probably a, a team led by Ime Udoka, whose oh. whole style of coaching is intensity and defense. Mm-hmm. I I did like just four years, ninety million is outrageous. I mean, there's some high-level, borderline all-star guys that aren't making that money right now, and it, it's just crazy. We talked. We just talked about the Phoenix Suns who moved on from Jack Lindell, and then you know he clearly didn't give them much in four their years. playoff run, and they yeah they they lock him up for four, four years. years when <laughs> you we already we just talked about it. They have some pretty good young big men on their team already. It just in Jeff Green. It's like Jeff Green's a great player. Just won an NBA championship. Another team trying to win a championship should be paying him. It's- That's what I'm saying. Jeff Green's like the guy you get for one year, like a one year. All right, we we want a guy who can maybe come off the bench for a little bit. We know what we're gonna get of him. He's a good team player. He's a vet. He's been around the block. This is not someone you want for a young team that was a lottery team. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't, I, and it's, I have nothing. I love the Rockets' young core. 
I don't mm-hmm. hate really any of these players. I'm not a fan of Dylan Brooks. I don't think he should have got what he got, but I, I don't hate any of them. I told you I like Fred Van Vliet. It's just none of this seems like it fits. It just no. I don't understand. I almost feel like that Ime Aduko's playing 2K. And he just went into the trade finder. He's yeah. like, let's see what we can get. Or yeah. he's like, oh, this guy's a free agent. He's got these sorts by highest overall remaining. He's like, all right, let's pay him. I, I just, I don't understand it because I look at it and I, I don't think the Rockets are a playoff team. I think they're still a year or two away and you want to grow with this young core. So you want to play them. Nothing against Fred Van Vliet, but Fred Van Vliet will be taking valuable minutes away from Thompson, Green, and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. at the end of games, whichever one's the odd man out. Because you're not paying yeah. someone three years, $130 million to sit the bench at the end of games. You're just not going to do that. Yeah, and it's just – yeah, you're absolutely right about Van Fleet. That was another person I wanted to talk about. Like, he probably deserved that money, but it's, it's it would have had to have been a certain team to give it to him Agreed. because I do think, you know, this the level of play – and honestly, I don't even know if that's true. He he did. If you extended the money he got to like a five year deal, it would be close to like an, a legit supermax deal. Yeah. So they basically paid him the supermax, but just on a shorter deal because he's not eligible for it. I I just don't. It just doesn't seem like a. T- it didn't seem like a team need. Great player, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe a. a a coach for these young guys, but you mentioned it. Like if anything, he's going to be taking these guys off the floor. It really seems like if we went down the Rockets roster right now, like they have like 10, 11 playable guys. You almost don't want that in the NBA. Especially as a young team. Right. Especially as a team that's not in a win now mode. Right. That, yeah. Like, I I know these moves are like, you're in a win now mode. The Rockets are not. So maybe a a trade's coming. Like that's the only thing. What like yeah. th- I was thinking this before, and Eme kind of already said he has no interest in James Harden. So I don't think it's that, but it almost seems, yeah, it just seems like I I have no idea that it, it does not make sense to be either a winning roster because no one really believes they're talented enough to make a legit playoff push. I think they'll be a play in team, probably. Like I could see them. Nine, Depends ten. Depends how their young guys step up. They got, yeah. they got to learn how to play defense. And Jabari, talk about guys who have looked great in the summer. Like Jabari Smith. Them. Yeah. So, that, like, you know, true. maybe they make a big jump. But I think even if they make a big jump, they're they're a playing team. It, it it's strange, man. And that'd be crazy if the Rockets just came out of nowhere and made a trade. Um, well, who, yeah, like, uh, we'll see. In my mind, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is probably the odd man out if they were to. Mm. But who who would you like if they're gonna make a trade? Who do you even think they'd be willing to part with? Yeah, it would have to be KPJ, maybe Jalen Green if Van Fleet's maybe. really the guy and they like Amon Thompson yeah. that much. True. I mean, they have yeah. Jabari Smith already, and then you know you bring in some of the the vets to play wing and, and shooting guard around them. I think the Patty Mills trade is the only one that really makes sense. It's like every team signs old shooters. Patty Mills yeah. and Doka had a prior relationship. It's like that. That's the only one that I was like, oh, yeah, Patty Mills to the Rockets. That makes sense. And I, I got nothing against Jeff Green either. I, I no. think it's more confusing on Jeff Green's part than the Rockets, yeah. right? The <laughs> Rockets maybe it was like, his I, highest offer. Yeah. And maybe they're like, maybe he's like, I just want to play in Houston or something. But in yeah. Jeff Green, you just win a championship. Then you're like, I'm going to play for this rebuilding lottery team. <laughs> it's a weird move for me. But also, maybe it could just be Jeff Green be like, hey, I got the championship. Now I, I want to play. Maybe he 
he always wants us to play in Houston. Maybe yeah. that's it. Who knows? He wants us I, to teach some of these young guys. I don't know. I will not. I will not question Jeff Green's moves. Um, no. No. Jeff Green does what Jeff Green wants. One of the greatest role players who ever played yeah. basketball. Yeah, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, so that's enough about the Rockets. Houston, we may have a problem. We'll we'll check back in on them <laughs> after summer league. Any other All teams right. stick out to you, Donny? I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about the Celtics just because I want to pick your brain on it a little. Um, I actually have it. I did a I did a little emergency press conference when smart first got traded but it is still killing me and i i don't think i'll know until like the middle of next season if i'm okay with the move or not um still hurts real bad i think it it got real real when he did like his introductory press conference with the memphis grizzlies he held up his jerseys wearing number 36 still he said he's going to keep his hair green till the end of the summer and then dye it blue when the season starts. All I can really say about the smart things at this point is, like, Memphis Memphis got a good one, man. And, oh, you yeah. know, it, it honestly, I don't know if, who won the trade or if anyone wins the trade. I think getting KP was a huge get for us. It makes us even more dynamic than we were last year, I think, in, in some areas. But oh, losing I, a guy like Smart, like, I think – you know, what happens if the Celtics start the season slow? It's like all fingers are pointing. It's like, well, you traded Brad, you traded the heart and soul. Well, that's the thing. He was their heartbeat, right? Marcus yeah. Smart was their heartbeat. And it's funny, too, because coming from obviously you're right in Boston, you're a Boston fan. It comes as a little more biased. But as a non biased basketball fan and just an outsider, honestly, Donnie, you would have thought like the Celtics lost Kevin Durant, LeBron James, yeah. like Giannis, like someone of that magnitude with the reaction from the fans. And I guess, you know, it's not unfair to adding Porzingis because I think Porzingis had one of the like quieter, better seasons last year. No one talks about because he was on the Wizards. And I love, love the fit with KP in Boston. But I think it almost caught you guys by shock because originally it was Brogdon, right? It was originally going to be Brogdon. That is why it was bad. And then next thing you know, it's Marcus Smart who leaves and like, like, like you said, like he is the heart and soul of this team. And when you think the ball of the guy is, I think he's one of the best to get defensive guards in the NBA, if not the best defensive guard. He can have his moments offensively when he just is just red hot and he can make his shots. But it's it's the team leader type of aspect, right? It, it's the mm-hmm. guy who can get everyone else up on the floor. It's the guy who will step up when he needs to. And to lose a player like that and to bring in someone who – in my opinion, and maybe we haven't seen it, I love Porzingis, but I feel like his personality is almost the opposite of Marcus Smart, where yeah. I don't think Porzingis is going to be that guy. It, it, it feels like a weird move. However, I will say for the fit, I love Porzingis in Boston. I think he had a fantastic year for Washington. I don't remember what his exact numbers were, but I think they were close to his career best. And people didn't talk about it because he's on the Wizards, right? No one cares about what the Wizards are doing. The Wizards for me for like four or five years, or probably longer than that, have just been like, oh, the Wizards are on. The Wizards are playing. No one cares. No one hates on the Wizards. No one hypes up the Wizards. They just exist. 
And that's kind of what Porzingis did. And that maybe that's kind of what he needed to kind of reset his career or kind of change it because Dallas just didn't really work out. New York was just never the right situation for him with the bright lights and all the yeah, and they didn't pressure want him from on the start him. There. And they, yeah, they, they never even bought into him. Even when he started playing well, the fans didn't want him. So yeah. I kind of like uh, this move for Boston. He just had a fantastic season in Washington. He goes to a team that he can be the number three option on offense, which is huge for taking the pressure off him. But also, too, Dunny, you're getting a seven-foot-three guy who can shoot and who can guard down low. And the biggest thing that was really hurting the Celtics at points last year was they just felt limited offensively outside of Brown and Tatum, where if Smart wasn't having a great offensive game, it was just a lot of pressure on Brown, a lot of pressure on Tatum. Horford, you know, he's getting up there in age, inconsistent. Rob Will, I love Rob Will to depth defensively, but offensively, he he doesn't move outside of just under the basket. And now you get a guy like Porzingis who gives the team length, who I will tell you what, in this type of culture, the Boston Celtics culture, he's going to be a dog on defense. He's going to be a monster inside the paint. And he's another guy, too, who you're going to have to respect outside. He's, he's going to shoot the ball, and he will. And he, he's coming off one of his best years. A lot of people don't talk about it. And the main reason I'm aware of it, Tony, he was a money-printing machine for me in the props. Because even, even the sports books didn't care about Porzingis. It was always like, oh, 20 and a half points. I'm like, he'll hit that at halftime. Like, he's, he yeah. was great in Washington this year. So I love the fit, but I get it. It's a bittersweet feeling because – you just felt like you lost your your captain, your guy. And even though every Celtics fan knows he's not the most talented player on the team, he put Tatum and Brown well ahead of him. But maybe in a lot of Celtics fans' minds, they're like, oh, this is the one that I would be the hardest to see leave. Yeah, I think, and I think that's what it was. Like, I really, I truly believe people would have been less upset if Brown went out the door. And really? obviously... And obviously, you would have got a lot more coming in with Jalen Brown. But right. I truly think that there's so many Celtics fans that, especially after the way the Heat series went and Jalen struggles, um, and you know people just being willing to trade Jalen for the last couple of years, I do not put myself in this category. I would have been livid if we ch- traded Jalen Brown. <laughs> we would have been on that. this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> You'd still be recovering. Uh, yeah, I'd still be steaming mad about it. But um, no, I, I truly believe that. Like, I think. I think he just embodied Boston, man. And, he, yeah. you know, he he was just – he was out and about. Like, you could see him in the community. He was always giving back. Not that Jalen didn't do that, too, because he's very involved as well. But I just think there's something about Marcus Smart, the way he plays everyone. I mean, he's just like – he was just the team's lucky charm. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was Marcus Smart to the Celtics. So, yeah. it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be – it's going to be crazy to see him play in another uniform. I hope someday, you know, down the road, he finds his way back in Boston, whether it's to end his career or in a couple of years, he somehow ends back. But, um, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I think he's I think he's going to be a great fit for the Memphis Grizzlies, not only when Jaws absent, but just, you know, a, a guy who can teach Jaw a thing or two Absolutely. on the on the other end. Um, and that I actually kind of like it. Right. Because now you have. Oh, yeah. You have kind of that dog guard you need with Bane and Ja, where Bane and Ja, their strengths have never been defense. Neither one of those. I like Bane. He's an okay defender. Ja's not a great defender at all. But now you got that guy with him, and it gives mm-hmm. the Grizzlies a chance to play small and fast, which I think they've been wanting to do. 
So yep. now you can play those three guards and almost play Bain at the three, and you can run on almost anyone. Not many teams are going to be able to run with that team where you have Jaron Jackson at the five and then pick your poison who, for who you want at the four. Yep. Yeah, team. man, it's the Grizz are going to be a, a team to look out for too, especially yeah when when Job returns to the court. Um, yes, yeah, as, as far as the Celtics, I think you nailed the the Porzingis thing. Like it's it, it just gives them so many options to do so many things that they weren't able to do last year. I've already seen uh, Brad hinting at doing a lineup of Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Porzingis and Rob, like we just the that, size and defensive ability. Yeah, that should be their start. It probably will be, and have Al come off the bench finally. You know, mm -hmm. he's getting up there. I think Al's. It's great that you know you have these three big guys who are all have these very good skill sets, but you don't want to play them heavy minutes throughout the year for a couple different reasons. Like Al's mm -hmm. on the older side, you want to you right. know keep keep his legs fresh. KP and Rob have the weird injury, you know, problems. It's never like a, a, a injury that puts them down for the whole season, but they're always getting banged up. It's like you have this three big rotation now where hopefully you can limit, you know, how much you're, you're asking of these guys and it will work out for the better. I don't think the Celtics are done this year. I'd be a little disappointed if they were, but they also made some moves, you know, bring in O'Shea Brissett from the Indiana Pacers, yep. which I actually like that signing. Solid player. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I think when they brought him in, they must have had the intentions that they were go going to lose Grant Williams, because I think he does. You know, he's just he's similar size to Grant. He's a he's he can move his feet, and he's not at, nearly as good as a shooter as Grant. But um, you know, he can knock down the corner three. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's just it's just super interesting. I just keep telling myself like I can't can't try to picture the Celtics group. Because smart, and then even Grant Williams, who I just mentioned, like he was a, a big energy guy for this group too. So it's gonna be gonna be tough to try to envision what it actually looks like. But I, I trust Brad. I think the Celtics probably make one or two more moves, whether they're big or not. I don't know. And then, uh, yeah, then it's Porzingis time in Boston. We'll see. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun to see. It, it, you'll have you'll have a lot of options. I know it's gonna suck not having Smart in that starting lineup, but if there's anyone who stepped up and can play that role, it's been Derek White this past year, right? Yeah. I mean, so. I mean, he was he was obviously not career wise. I'm not ready to say he's a better defender than Marcus Smart, but like last year, he definitely last was. year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So. And you know he's he's got the youth on his size and that argument a little bit a little bit better of a size better shot blocker, so yeah we'll see Celtics should still be just as exciting probably top three and odds on favorite to win a championship and I'm I'm gonna buy in as soon as October rolls around so, <laughs> um you guys all right we'll we'll talk about the Warriors we don't have to talk about them as much in depth as we talked about the Celts there but did you see the other day Jordan Poole is like one of his first press conferences or just like media time someone like quietly from the back asked like if if he's talked to draymond or like have you heard from draymond and he kind of his eyes kind of just like lit up ignored it and answered another question <laughs> how much of pool being shipped to washington do you think had i mean it had to have been like 80 percent of the reason because of because of Draymond, right? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Then you're either in the club or you're not in the club at all, and you're not getting in. Yeah. And I'll tell you who's in the club: Draymond Curry and Clay. 
Draymond Curry and Clay. So I also think too, despite everything that happened off the court with uh, Draymond and uh, Poole, I also think too it just wasn't a great fit. And I I cannot wait to see what Poole will do this year for Washington because I think the biggest issue with Jordan Poole is like he's he's a volume shooter. He's someone who needs the ball in his hands. He needs to shoot over 20 times a game. And I'm sorry, when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, two of the greatest shooters of all time, are on your teams, you're just not going to be that guy. And we saw spurts of Jordan Poole. We would see him come off the bench. Sometimes he'd be in the starting lineup and he'd do that. And it was like, oh, this guy, like he has it. He's got the potential. But I think the Warriors also knew, knew too, despite the whole Draymond Poole thing, I think the Warriors knew too that like, it's just limited a little bit behind behind them. There's just sometimes you got to get what you can get. And I love the move, Poole in Washington. I think Poole, sneaky, could average north of 25, 26 points a game next year. Um, I truly believe that. But I don't put too much weight into him and Draymond kind of beefing or everything that happened at the start of the season into him getting traded because Dunny, before that even happened, we were talking about is Poole gonna get traded when you know yeah. his time's up on the Warriors. That that's the only thing for me. If it was something where like, oh, this is a franchise guy they're gonna want to lock in, then I put more weight on it. But I think we were we were always that was always speculated that Jordan Poole is probably going to get dealt from the Warriors. And it was just it just kind of felt like the timing was right. Yeah, I think I'm with you, too. I think the other reason I, I think it, it had to do with, you know, their relationship or whatever went down was because it almost seems like all summer and like the end of their season, it was like it's one or the other, right? It was either Draymond yeah. or Poole was going to be the one to go because they're, you know, Steph and Clay aren't going, one. I think that's, that's just clear. And two, the only other two guys that you can get good value in return for are those two guys, Draymond right. and Poole. So I, I think they're just, you know, without the punch or not, they were a little more intertwined than people want to believe just as far as decisions that needed to be made by the Warriors. Um, and we'll see if they did the right thing. I mean, CP3 and, and Steph's going to be weird as hell too. It should be interesting. I, I that's, another, that's another one. There were a lot of signings for a lot of teams. We don't have time to go through all of them. But there were a lot of signings where I was like, I, I just I can't envision the fit right now. I, I'm going to yeah. have to watch it. I'm going to have to watch a handful of games of these guys playing together. So I'll be like, oh, that's how they're going to make it work. Because I just – I don't know. I mean, I know CP3's on the end of his career, but he can't, he's not coming off the bench, right? Yeah. Do you see someone, you uh, someone, they didn't even ask him that. They just, they just said as a fat, like they were like, oh, what do you think it's going to be like? Like you running like the bench unit or, or something along those lines. <laughs> and he just like, he made a face at her. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's like, are you, are you coaching us? Yeah. He was like, <laughs> She was like, no. And he's like, well, we'll see what happens then. Like, he just, he was like, I'm not, I'm not coming off the bench. <laughs> but like, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney comes off the bench. And they play big. Terribly play small, small, though. I know. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Against the Denver Nuggets. I, I don't no, you can't do Maybe it's just based on matchup. But it's like, I look yeah. at that move and it's like, there's no way that Chris Paul would. I, I just don't think he'd be okay with it. And, and I think Chris Paul, 
despite, you know, the lack of playoff success, I think Chris Paul deserves to be like, I want to start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think especially a team that just traded for him, too. It's like, what what the hell are you bringing me here for? I think I think he earned that. You're not you're not trading for Chris Paul to play 30, 20 minutes off the bench. Right. I don't think so. So it's like I said, it's a weird fit. There's a lot of guys signing this year that I'm like, it's a weird fit, but I'm not going to take anything against Chris Paul's talent. And maybe too, it's going to help Chris Paul a little bit because he did struggle. He did struggle at points last year, but now having, you know, Steph Curry, who's going to be able to take a lot off that form in terms of playmaking, that might help him. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a lot, lot of teams, a lot of crazy moves. Um, October can't come come soon enough as far as I'm concerned. I'm ready to see see these teams in action. Summer League's going to have to do for now. Can we talk about one more team? Just yeah. real quick, yeah, yeah, like two yeah. minutes. Just because Mike isn't here. Shout out, Jake. I got to talk about the Cavs. Oh, hey, yes, dude. They got yes. Karis Levert to come back on a pretty reasonable deal. I don't deal. like that one, but it's a reasonable, I, like I think it's a reasonable it. deal. George Niang and Max Struess, those are two phenomenal additions to a team. It's just exactly what they needed. That's what I'm saying. I love yeah. both. I love both ads. I think that gives the Cavs a great, great depth coming off the bench and guys who can just do a little bit of everything for you. I like Niang. I like Struess. I they both showed flashes of being very, very important pieces to both the 76ers and the Miami Heat at various points throughout this year. I love I love both moves and like I said, Karis Levert coming back on a, on a more a much more reasonable deal than I think at the start of the year we would have expected Karis Levert getting. So, I yeah I, I don't I don't mind what the kids do. They also got Ty Jerome and Damian Jones. I'm not like in love yeah, with those either kind of whatever signing. But Struess and Niang I thought were two very underrated moves that I think are going to be two guys who play significant roles for the Cavs yep. this year. Yeah, I think I think Struess will play similar minutes that he played for the Heat for the Cavs, and I think Niang will actually play more minutes for the Cavs than he did with Philly. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. It's just cool because it's nice when a team goes out and gets pretty much exactly what they need. I mean, they were they were just lacking the shot making, shot creating around Mitchell, Garland, and Mobley. They bring that you know the the one guy that they had that could could do that in spurts was Karis Levert. I I thought the the contract was a little rich, but like you said, it wasn't you know it wasn't bad. It's not going to kill them. And then bring Mel, in right two years. I would have thought at the start of the year probably he would have got twenty plus per year. Yeah. So. Yeah. So and that yeah they bring in shooters. The only weird thing about the Cavs is you know Wendy Brian Windhorst made us made oh. it seem like. Something was going to get blown up there. And then all of a sudden they go out and make these moves as if, you know, status quo, everyone's staying. Because these moves do make it seem like everyone's just staying. I think we still, maybe not from the Cavs, I still do think we see a couple big, big moves this offseason. Well, like you said, that NBA is always relevant, man. They got to always got to be in the news. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. Let, let's we're gonna end, folks, with a little this or that today. We talked about both these both these unicorns at the beginning of the show. Let's end with a this or that. Who ends this NBA season? So the upcoming season. Who ends the season with more rebounds and blocks combined? Victor Wembanyama or Chet Holmgren? 
I, I like this or that, Donnie. I really do. Um, I have actually been talking a little bit on how Chat is eligible to win Rookie of the Year. And I know. It's at awesome. this point, at this point last year, if you wanted to take Chat, it was almost. I think it was right around even odds. Like my, I think it was like plus one fifty or something. He's like plus four fifty. Like, and I think that might be the best value on the board if you want to take a rookie of the year because we were talking about chat, not to the degree we're talking about Wemby this year, but to the point last year before the injury. And I love chat. I think he's offensively gifted, but you included blocks in this. You included blocks in this. And I will tell you what, I don't care how much he struggles offensively in his rookie year. He could shoot 35% from the field. Victor Wembanyama, if he plays a full season, will be right in there for Defensive Player of the Year. He's got the size. He's got the length. He has the awareness from a 19-year-old kid of how to guard down low. And he may not be the strongest. He's going to bulk up this offseason. It does not matter. It really does not matter what the length he has in this athleticism. I think this is a guy who could potentially lead the league in blocks per game this coming season. We forget he played in the same professional league that Rudy Gobert played in before he came to the yep. NBA, and he broke all of Rudy Gobert's defensive records. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm going to take Wembenyama there in uh, rebounds, blocks, just because I think the blocks are in there. But I'll tell you what, Dunny. I think Wemby could lead, the, lead uh, in blocks per game. He could potentially win Defensive Player of the Year, but don't sleep on Chet for Rookie of the Year because that yeah. Thunder team has figured it out. It looks like they're getting the best of everybody. And the way the Thunder have been playing, what are they? What they just missed last year? They just needed a big man. They just needed a guy. Well, you got one. You got a unicorn, my friends. You got a unicorn going on with this this team of Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams, SGA, Josh Giddy, Dort. He's going to be a great fit there. I think Chet could win Rookie of the Year, but give me if we're doing just rebounds and blocks, give me Wemby. He, I, he dude, he could he could average four. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't either, be man. shocked. That wingspan, that size. I I was thinking I was going to go that direction. I think I'm going Chet here, though. Okay. I think I think Wemby will definitely end the season with more blocks than Chet. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget what Chet was doing in the summer league last year as far yeah. as blocking shots. He was he was all over the place. Yeah. I also think it's possible that Chet just plays more this season than Wemby sure. as a whole. And I think the rebound, I think Chet will will hit the glass a little a little harder than Wemby does. So I think Chet will rebound more, and then maybe just him playing will get him the total stats more than Wemby. I think Wemby definitely has the edge of blocks. I'm with you, though. And I actually – I wasn't even thinking that at all. I love that. Wemby for DPOY. I mean, you might want to sprinkle Wemby that. Wemby DPOY. Uh... Sprinkle with – look at that. That's probably giving you some nice odds. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the juice. Uh, yeah, so if, if you guys want to get some uh, early futures in, we just gave you an, a nice little nugget there at the end of the episode. All right, so you got it. We got who ends the season with more rebounds and blocks. Steve's taking Wemby. I'm taking Chet. Um, and we will talk to you guys next week for Steve, myself, Donnie. This is Happy Hour Hoops presented by Trend Rec Sports. Later, guys.